0: Good
1: morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm J- your host, Jason Breifel. This morning I'm joined by Teresa Girton, the Department of Labor's Veterans Employment and Training Services, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy. I'm also joined by Barbara Carson, the U.S. Small Business Administration's Associate Administrator for the Office of Veterans Business Development. This morning, we're going to be talking about how these agencies and other federal agencies are are working to prepare veterans for for meaningful careers um, once they they leave the service, and and both of you are veterans yourselves, so thank you so much for both your service as well as being with us this morning.
2: Great to be here, Jason. Thanks. Thank you.
1: And uh, before we dive into our conversation, I'd like to remind our viewers that Fed Talk is brought to you by Long Term Care Partners, Long Term Care Partners and Ministers of the Office of Personnel Management sponsored federal long term care insurance program. Um, and uh, l- let's just dive right into the, the conversation. And uh, your offices both do uh, a lot of work. And I think something that might uh, help our listeners kind of understand that w- w- your office's uh, uh, missions and programs is uh, just to, to give us kind of a high-level overview. What is uh, the mission of, of VETS and what is the mission of the, the Office of Small Business Development? Um, how, how, how do you work uh, and, and, and where are you in the country? And then uh, as we go through the rest of the program, we'll, we'll dive in and, uh, and unpack some of these, these issues and, and, and how you deliver on that mission. Mm-hmm
2: so jason i'll i'll go first so the veterans employment and training service is a small agency inside dol the department of labor Uh, and we talk about our mission in terms of four p's we talk about it in terms of preparing transitioning service members and veterans to enter the job market providing them the critical resources that they need to locate and obtain meaningful careers protecting their employment and re-employment rights once they have a job and then promoting veterans hiring with employers both in the private and the public sector across the country. Um, We do this through the Department of Labor and the public workforce's network of almost 2,500 American job centers across the country. So we're very close to people where they are and where they work. And um, in those job centers, we offer a variety of employment counseling services, uh, benefits, uh, training programs, development of resumes, practicing those sorts of things, and then connecting them with local employers All veterans have priority of service for those DOL programs inside the job center and have access to one-on-one counseling. So we really focus there, delivering employment support locally to folks where they are and where they need it.
1: Great. Thank you, Terry. And and we'll definitely talk more about the the American Job Centers later on in in the program. Um, Thank you, Barb, for for joining us this morning. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the Office of Veterans Business Development within SBA? I'd
3: love to. We do uh, serve all the core competencies of SBA but it's focused on veterans. So that is entrepreneurial development and training, it's access to capital and it's federal procurement, which is very popular in this area. And so bottom line, I do three things, reduce barriers to entry into small business ownership for vets and build their capacity through training and the one-on-one counseling that is required to to learn all there is to start a business. And then finally, introducing them to opportunities, whether it's federal procurement or private sectors really interested in getting veteran owned businesses into their supply chains. And then the population I serve is not only veteran, but currently serving service members and military spouses. So we'll have a chance to go into that about how we do that with resources across the country and around the world.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. And and we definitely will dive into uh, some of those those uh, specific areas that, that you talked about, because these are all unique populations that that have different needs. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, programs that they, your agencies are, are carrying out to, to help folks get there. Um, before we dive into the, uh, uh more in-depth part of our conversation, uh, I know that, uh, your offices each put out some, some annual reports and, and kind of, um, uh, uh present where, uh, where your organizations are on delivering on your mission. And, uh, um, Terry, could you talk a little bit about um, what the employment p- picture looks like for veterans in the country at the moment?
2: It's always great to start a broadcast with good news. And so uh, the the employment outlook for veterans right now is is really great. They finished uh, the unemployment rate for veterans in 2015. The annual rate was only 4.6%. Uh, continued to fall for five straight years and it's continued to be below the national unemployment rate for those five years. And we're particularly encouraged with the numbers in there for a couple of groups. Um, The post-9-11 veterans finished the year at only 5.7%. And within that, the 18- to 24 year old group, which got so much attention, rightfully so, in the 2010-2011 high points of the recession, down to 6% compared to 18% just a year ago. Wow! um, And women veterans down to 2.9%. So just across the board, the outlook is bright. Uh, It continues to fall, uh, but it's not something that we can say it's mission accomplished. We only got there sort of by a full court press across the federal government um, with committed employers, uh, with Department of Defense really turning around the process by which they prepare folks for transition. But DOD separates almost 200,000 people every year from the military. And so this challenge, this focus, needs to continue so that we make sure that every veteran now coming coming out of their active duty service time has the same opportunities for success.
1: Absolutely. Well, you're right that it is great to to hear that the trend lines appear to be heading in the in the right direction. Yeah. But but as you mentioned, there is the. Uh, there's never an opportunity to, to hit pause because there are 200,000 new veterans entering the workforce every year, um, and all of them need the services and the assistance that, that they are both entitled to and, and deserve to, to receive.
2: Right. Well, we're very um, excited, though, that there's now a very strong foundation to continue to build these programs on, um, that employers are getting the message, federal agencies are getting the message, our integration of our service-delivering programs is so much better now but always has room to grow.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Barb, do you have any kind of high-level high figures you'd like to help share that we can then kind of dive into later in the conversation as we unpack a little bit more of what's going on here?
3: Definitely. I'd love to give you an idea of how big the population is. Who are veteran business owners? And I'm grateful to Census and their small business owner survey that so we now have data from 2007 to 12, which is a really interesting time for us if we have a drawdown, a recession. And we expected the po- veteran population as a whole to decrease. What we found was incredibly positive also for entrepreneurship and veterans in small business. The number of businesses owned stayed steady. 2.5 million veteran-owned businesses across the United States. They're bringing in over $1 trillion in revenue each year, and they employ 5.5 million Americans. So it's an incredibly good story. Other surprising statistics that we found um, that women vets are really the strongest population in growth right there. They're 300% growth in women veteran-owned businesses between 2007 and 2012. So we'll talk more today about what we're doing to let those businesses get even stronger, and it's obviously appealing to women, and we wanna encourage that. What SBA does for this population is train over 200,000 veterans each year. With improved outreach, I hope to increase that number by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And we'll also talk about how we're reaching them. I'd like you to know that SBA uh, was able to m- ensure that business owners had the capital they needed. We had over $1 billion in uh, SBA-backed loans go to veteran business in the past year. It's a 100% increase over what it was the year before.
1: Wow, that's, that's incredible. And, and, and the picture you're painting definitely sounds like a, a positive one. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation uh, after a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Federal News Radio on
0: 1500 AM.
1: Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today we're featuring a discussion about veteran career assistance programs and other assistance provided by uh, two offices in the federal government uh, the Small Business Administration's Office of Veteran Business Development, as well as the Department of Labor's Veterans Employment Training Service. Um, before the break, we, were, we heard some, some great high-level uh, figures on, on some of the positive trends that, that we're seeing, but um, there's certainly challenges out there for, for veterans entering the workforce, and I think that um, understanding those challenges uh, helps, understand, helps paint the picture for why we need uh, some of these various programs that we have and why some of these programs need to be focused on some of the populations that, that we talked about, whether it's women veterans, military spouses, other service members who are, who are leaving. Um, Terry, do you want to kick us off?
2: Well, sure, thanks. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that we've had in the past, and you've heard a lot about this, is helping veterans understand how to translate their military skills into civilian speak and helping employers understand how to interpret that speak as a way that, something that matches their careers. We've gotten really good at putting a lot of uh, translation tools out there and folks are using those in very creative ways. And we teach transitioning service members how to use those. But I think the next really big challenge is helping our transitioning service members today understand what the modern uh, American economy looks like and where the opportunities are, because it's changing so quickly that the old traditional ideas of what work was don't really fit. Um, So we're working a lot with um, other offices in DOL on apprenticeships and job training programs uh, and those sorts of things to help service members get a new idea of what are for today's economy for example if you asked any of them you know about an apprenticeship they probably wouldn't know what you were talking about or if you asked them if they thought about jobs in advanced manufacturing they'd say no but you say well do you like to work with computers and robots they'd say yes which is really what advanced manufacturing is and at the same time working with employers to say you know we don't turn out people that look like the perfect employee for you anymore veterans come with great skills but they're not exactly the the exact size round peg for your round hole we need to come together and build tracks that help people fill in the skills gaps and so that's why labor is such an important piece in this working with employers and uh, the veterans employment and training service sits kind of in the middle helping both sides navigate to that perfect set of skills that make them the perfect employee for today's economy so i think that's really where our challenge is It relates to helping folks choose how to use their GI Bill for a course of study that's going to lead to employment. How to use um, the training programs and tuition assistance while they're in service to build the right kinds of skills that are going to make them marketable. So we're thinking about moving beyond just skills translation now to understanding a, a transition map that helps folks gain the right skills to make them really marketable in today's economy.
1: Well, and and some one thing that you said kind of really struck me in that um, many service members come out with with excellent skills, but sometimes maybe that doesn't map in into the workforce. and And perhaps, Barb, that ties into why we're seeing such a growth in entrepreneurship and and veterans and and them wanting to strike out on their own and and take advantage of of the training and leadership skills that they have in in starting their own their own businesses.
3: yep, the freedom and the risk, those are things that uh, service members want. To address continue they're used to having some challenging situations they're highly trained they're driven um, by objective achievement and they can deal with chaos and some of those things are elements of small business ownership it is not new to this generation post world war ii there was an incredible drive to um, have go back to your home and continue to serve your country by being an economic driver in your community In fact, the GI Bill used to cover three things. They weren't, it wasn't a choice. You could have all three benefits and it was a chance to go to school, uh, a home loan or a small business loan. And there's some legislation that even is addressing whether that is something that could be, that we could come back to. But it does appeal, um, and I should say there's such a variety of businesses that vets can go into and service members from returning to a family business that they may have left to go serve their country um, and step in to be that next generation franchise. Really interesting to those who like the structure that they found in the military and want to be their own boss, but with some structure behind it. Uh, Federal procurement, as we talked about briefly, to continue that skill set that they picked up in the military, they think they can improve upon it with innovation and bring it back to the government at great value and with talent. And then agriculture. We'll talk more about some of the federal partnerships that we have where there are other um, agencies that are doing things for entrepreneurs, and one of them is USDA.
1: Well, and with that why don't we why don't we dive right in because I think that the the partnership between federal agencies is is a really interesting uh, aspect of what's going on here because like you both have said there's a lot of moving parts here there's folks who are coming out of DoD they clearly have a role there's working with the USDA there's working with other agencies obviously the Veterans administration um, can you talk about how some of these different parts of the government, um, tie in with, with each other and, and how uh, these kind of cross-agency goals are, are are coming together. And then later on, we'll we'll dive into kind of the nonprofit and another uh, outside the federal sector uh, collaboration in this space.
2: So I think we should start with the idea that there is a nexus of federal agencies that are really, you know, like first order involved in the transition and employment piece for veterans. And that is DOD, VA, DOL, and SBA. Um, because we are all part of teaching the transition assistance program that service members have to go through before they separate. So we're right there on the ground as folks sort of come to terms with this idea that they're gonna be getting out of the military and beginning to make sure that they have opportunities to experience the workforce, uh, get counseling on how to use their benefits, understand and take classes in entrepreneurship if they're interested in that, and then follow them through that transition program. So that's a very tight group. Um, But what's been really interesting over the last 18 months or so is the evolution of other federal agencies into this space. Department of Transportation has a transportation industry initiative to help veterans get employed by private sector in the um, transportation industry, not just with DOT, although they're a fabulous employer of veterans. Department of Energy is looking across the entire energy sector, solar, gas, um, wind, clean energy, the whole nine yards helping veterans get employed by firms that are in the in, uh, energy sector. Agriculture is doing that. They have a farmer veterans program for veterans who want to get into agriculture. Um, Homeland Security's got a tremendous veterans hiring program um, and training program for veterans in cyber. So it's all coming together. And so that group that's really moderating the, the transition process is also then facilitating discussions across through the federal government, to entire sectors of the economy to promote veteran hiring.
3: And I'll take an opportunity to talk about one place where Terry and I definitely have an integration of our work, and that's with the military spouse population. 92% of them are women, and there's a higher unemployment rate rate there. Uh, It's in the 20s, and that's just really Mm -hmm. uh, something that we're working hard to address personally i'm yes a veteran but i'm also a military spouse and i still serve in the air force reserve and for me to keep up my career and professional development owning a small business was the thing that kept me sane and happy uh, to be honest so while in okinawa i did have a business which i continued until my husband got command tour to orders and we were for he left for a year and that was the end of my business and it It stuck with me that this is a great opportunity, an intersection of my personal and professional interests to serve military spouse population. So we are working, uh, one of the interagency collaborations is with the Department of Defense Military Spouse Employment Partnership, doing monthly webinars for military spouses right now to introduce them to entrepreneurship. Very proud of that and working with that office as well to address some of the barriers. Some installations around the world allow military spouse-owned business and are supportive of it there's some challenges in other places. We're working together to break down those barriers and um, help spouses use the uh, the education that they have, many have attained and grow a business that they'd like to have. And Terry, I'd love to turn it
2: to you to talk about some of the benefits that occur when people move. And Barb's absolutely right. In today's economy, it really almost always takes a two-earner family to to maintain the standard of living that they've gotten accustomed to while they are well, they've been on active duty. And so um, in addition to entrepreneurship, the Department of Labor wants to help spouses make that transition to private sector employment if that's what they're interested in doing. And the American Job Center Network, which is right there in communities across the country, usually several of them outside major military installations, can work with military spouses to help them uh get employed both where they are and then move that employment every time they go. We have a category of workers. It's called a displaced worker. And it's it was originally intended to help folks in a factory town when the factory went bust, right? So a lo- lot of folks all at once lost their jobs and, and needed employment assistance. But over the past few years, we've included military spouses in that group, recognizing that they, through no fault of their own, but because they're following their milspouse spouse in assignments, typically lose their job and need to find one at the other side so um, military spouses are displaced workers for the Department of Labor every time their spouse PCSs changes station and both the the transition the service member and their spouse are displaced workers at the point of transition so we have special programs that offer them access to training uh, focus on maintaining their license or credential And moving it from where they are to where they are going because that's so often controlled by the states. So we really do want to encourage spouses um, who are interested in employment to take advantage of the free services at their local job center.
1: And, and one thing that we were talking about, Terry, bef- before the show started was that uh, these job centers don't only serve uh, veteran populations. Uh, you told me that they serve some 16 million Americans. And to me, that was a, a really amazing figure to hear.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the federal government spends billions of dollars every year on job training programs for all citizens. And they are administered through these local American job centers. Um, and so there are almost 2,500 of them across the country. It, last year, they served 16 million Americans. Of those 1 million more veterans, uh, of all ages, all eras, all demographics, Uh, we don't track military spouses separately in that group, but we certainly encourage them to participate. And it's really about helping all Americans um, take advantage of the services that are there to improve their job prospects and to connect them with employers where they are.
3: And I'd love to talk about SBA's local resources as well, since and we've got great coverage between the (laughs) two of us. Um, and I'm really proud of that. We have 1,200 locations where a aspiring business owner can get some one-on-one counseling. Often, it's for free. So our partners in that space are uh, grantees out of my office, the Veteran Business Outreach Centers. There are only 15 of them across the United States, but they are what I would call triage. Um, anything veteran in small business, they're going to know about the resources available, who the partners are in the area, making good referrals, and they're also essential to that program that Terry mentioned the transition program we call Boots to Business and Introduction to Entrepreneurship. We'll see Veteran Business Outreach Centers on installations. As I said, they can't do it alone. So, SBA has traditional resource partners, which are SCORE, Small Business Development Centers, and Women's Business Centers. In addition to having a Veteran Business Development Officer in every SBA District Office across the United States who knows all the benefits and special um, programs for Veteran Business Owners.
2: And I think that's a really important point Um, in both of these um, areas. There are a lot of people and a lot of organizations out there trying to help veterans, um, and it's wonderful. We could not reach all the veterans in all the spaces without all of that help, but it's really also important that veterans know that there are some folks with authoritative information, and if you're interested in starting a small business, you want to get the information from the Small Business Administration, right? and then leverage that with your communities and with your your other um, support networks the same we feel the same way about employment if you really want to get employment come first and get the authoritative information because in both of our cases it's free veterans should never pay for this information and then leverage that with whatever other local contacts and local resources and grantees Mm -hmm. and support you want because there is some sort of uh, common foundational information that the federal government is able to put out there and make sure everybody has that level of information to start with. And then you can sort of customize it with all of the other resources that are out there.
1: I think that's a great point. And I think something that's really interesting in, is that these locations um, are are out all around the country in communities where folks are. And uh, it, it's not information that's necessarily coming from Washington, D.C., and I think that that's uh, something that I see and I would, I would hope that folks out uh, around the country see as, as a positive factor because the, the employees staffing those centers all around the country, they're members of those communities. They know what the businesses are, what the needs are, what the community's like so they can really help people with the specific needs there on the ground. Um, and I think after our, our next break, we'll, we'll talk about um, how you're working with uh, outside of the government, with nonprofit partners, with the private sector and others um, to, to tackle some of these challenges there. Uh, we'll continue our conversation uh, about veterans uh, programs with the government ho- ho- uh, host uh, after a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m If you're a federal law enforcement officer, then you know to do your job, you tap inside sources. To have a voice on policy and legislation, you join FLIOA. And when you want federal law enforcement officer news and up-to-date federal court decisions, you read fedagent.com. If you aren't reading fedagent.com, subscribe today. It's free. Don't let this source pass you by. I'm John
0: Adler, President of the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, and I approve this message.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Today I'm joined by Terry Gurdon with the Department of Labor's Veterans Employment Training Service and Barb Carson with the Small Business Administration's Office of Veterans Business Development. Uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the uh, inside the government programs and, and interagency efforts to, to assist veterans and, and, and provide them uh, employment and training and other opportunities. Um, and I uh, would like to continue that conversation uh, talking about how uh, the programs that exist to engage with uh, the private sector, nonprofit partners, uh, as well as those who are interested in, in getting involved in federal contracting, which is a, a big uh, area of opportunity that kind of cuts across some of those those bounds. Um, uh, Barb, would you like to kick us off?
3: Sure. I'd love to. Uh the- A big partnership that we've got is taking that curriculum that I mentioned that we're giving to service members and military spouses on military installations. And by the way, that's around the world. If they are not getting combat pay, we're probably there in person delivering this program. But what about the vets who missed their opportunity at transition when it wasn't as robust as it was? We want to reach vets of all eras and give them that introduction. Um, So we have taken the program off base and into communities. And we are doing that with the Syracuse University Institute for Vets and Military Families Data Corporation, and the Marcus Foundation. And that has been, we've just launched it last November, served 3,000 veterans, um, and we're already having success stories on businesses that are getting lifted off the ground already. I'd also talk another partnership that crosses the public and private is the Veteran Women Igniting the Spirit of Entrepreneurship. Again, with Syracuse University and also private sector funders who help with each location as it moves around the country, incredibly successful. So women vets and military spouses who are women are welcome to come. The next one is already booked up, but I'll make sure that we give you the information on it. The next one's in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's three phases. It's intense. And over 50% of the women who go through it start a business within a year and they are generating more revenue than the average um, veteran woman uh, business. And they also employ more people. So it's been really successful and I look forward to
2: sharing more about that. I think on the uh, the private sector employment side, I first have to give um, credit to the First Lady and Dr. Biden and their Joining Forces Initiative, which is coming up on its fifth anniversary, but mm-hmm. really mobilize the private sector to begin to make public commitments to hire veterans. Um, and it's amazing what happens when you start to make a public commitment to the First Lady. Um, people start to pay attention and mm-hmm. then start to come back around and say, well, how are you doing on that? Um, and so we taken that opportunity to create uh, an outreach staff within the Veterans uh, Employment and Training Service that now is positioned regionally across the country that is engaging directly with employers to teach them how to use the public workforce system to recruit veterans. Um, We have over 400 companies now that we're working with directly. We also find it really powerful to work with industry associations uh, because that gives you a huge leverage We've worked with global companies when they bring their HR staffs in. We come in and teach them about the public workforce system. And it's been just incredibly powerful to watch what was sort of a a cloudy commitment to be translated into actual tactical hiring strategies that are getting veterans jobs. And along that, um, for folks who are federal contractors, they have specific obligations to the federal government to meet uh, hiring objectives for veterans covered veterans under the vietnam era veterans uh, readjustment assistance act vevra and so we work with all of those companies on reporting their progress developing their um, affirmative action plans to include veteran recruiting because when you use the public workforce system as a recruiting tool you automatically increase the diversity of that hiring pool So those are just a couple of things. We also, of course, work with companies on the Uniformed Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act to make sure that their veterans are, um, their their employment and reemployment rights are being um, accommodated, especially when they deploy or redeploy, that those jobs are waiting for them when they come back. So it's been a tremendous partnership, again, across the federal government, but especially now our private sector partners are coming to us to get access to this pool of really, really talented uh, potential employees. And I would, if I may, just
3: pivot to a couple other ways that SBA in whole uh, works with private sector. So there are obviously large commercial banks and small community lenders that will not only do their own commercial loans to uh, vets and any small business owner, they will work with SBA. And SBA steps in. What is unique about us is we take some of the risk away from the lender to make a loan by guaranteeing that a percentage of it, if the borrower defaults, is going to be covered by the federal government. So for vets in particular, there's a special program and it's also open to military spouses where SBA is guaranteeing at least 50% of that loan. So if there's somebody who's on the border of a yes, they're going to get a yes because we're there to back them up. And we couldn't do that without our private sector banks who partner with us to make that available.
2: I think there's really a, a cool nexus, too, between SBA and DOL on this idea of veteran business owners because we know that the businesses who are most likely to hire veterans are ones that are owned and run by, business, mm-hmm. by veterans. And so part of what we've been beginning to work together on is a, a way of teaching these veteran-owned businesses now how to use the public workforce system to hire more veterans because it is a way almost of outsourcing your HR costs to the national public workforce system because all of those services for employers are free in addition to the the job seeker services being free so we can uh, help job uh, help business owners post their jobs we can help them do their first level recruiting we can screen candidates to make sure that they're qualified we can give them places to interview and we can help them through all of those sorts of processes so if you're a veteran-owned business you're not only the chief cook, but also the bottle washer. You're probably not the HR specialist. You could use some help with that. So it's a great way to enable veteran-owned businesses to hire more veterans in a way that helps them also for, on the cost front.
1: I love I love the self-reinforcing network that you're mm-hmm. describing that, that hopefully can just build on itself yeah. and, and capitalize on the momentum that – that we're we've seen build, building over the past few years, and were reflected in some of those figures that mm-hmm. you you both uh, cited for us earlier in the, the program. Uh, I wanted to turn to uh, kind of talking about a couple different uh, subpopulations within the veterans population, because um, there are some folks, especially our disabled veterans, who who have have given uh, significant sacrifices, and, and and they have some special programs, both the, both your organizations and other. Uh, federal agencies to to help them get the help that they need uh, to find employment, to find training, uh, or just the general assistance that they might need. Can you talk a little bit about that piece?
3: Yes. SBA is connected with service-disabled vets and service-disabled service members, too, who don't have a rating yet. They do still get the transition services that all service members will get. And we have made it a point to meet with each of the services um, to talk about what is different for those who have been wounded, um, or they're ill, and they're going to be leaving the service under, you know, challenging circumstances. So that connection is strong. And we make sure that they know about the benefits and opportunities that are available through labor and also veteran affairs. For those who are in the voc rehabilitation and employment, some um, eligible folks are going to get access to money to start a business if that's the way that they choose to have meaningful employment after their service career. And we also do have pretty intense programs for service that are specifically for service-disabled vets, post-9-11. That's the Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Veterans with Disabilities with Syracuse University. Again, incredible start rates. They can accommodate any kind of injury um, or disability at post-service. And we would love to serve more folks there. So I'll be sure to share
2: information on that with you. Uh, and on the employment side, we uh, a service-compensable disability... Uh, service-connected and the compensable disabilities one of the categories that we call significant barriers to employment so if an individual has that um, or if it's a transitioning service member who's wounded ill or injured and and being treated in a military treatment facility um, we offer them specific one-on-one long-term uh, almost like case management employment uh, assistance again it's all free they just have to come into the job centers we connect them with a counselor and then that counselor can take into consideration what those disabilities are, what the individual's abilities are, right, and help to build a, an employment plan that moves them toward um, profitable employment. We're also very closely connected um, inside the Department of Labor with the Office of Disability and Employment Policy, who works disability issues on behalf of all Americans. The Americans with Disabilities Act was you know, founded and, and, and supported through ODEP. And they have a job accommodation network, uh, you know, a call center that helps make sure that folks get the accommodations on their job site that they need, uh, that are appropriate to their disability. And so we work very closely to connect them with the disabled veteran population to make sure that those folks' needs are being met um, in their in their private sector employment. And then we also work very closely with the Veterans Administration on vocational rehabilitation programs. We have just updated our memorandum of understanding on how that program works. So, if an individual is going to be um, qualified for the Voc Rehab program, we now have a team management approach between um, Department of Labor and VA that helps them understand labor market information. That then makes sure that they're in a rehabilitation program that supports their abilities for future employment, and then um, finds employment that is appropriate for for their skills, talents, interests, and abilities. So. It really is this multi-agency partnership that comes together to provide that support network for transitioning service members and veterans with disabilities. I should also say for their spouses, because we recognize that the caregivers of disabled veterans um, often have a really challenging employment situation. And so Department of Labor has special programs and these sorts of one-on-one counseling opportunities for those spouses as well.
3: And I would pivot to the opportunities that are available for service disabled veterans and entrepreneurship, especially as we mentioned early on in the program, federal procurement is a, a siren call for many. <laughs> that 3% of the entire federal spend goes to service disabled vet owned small businesses. And for small businesses in total, it's 23% of the spend. We are very attuned to the needs of. You know, the federal agencies that want to give these out, they're not giving, they're, they've got great companies that are competing for these. And uh, service-disabled vets have the ability to do that. They have achieved the over the 3% goal the last three years. and proud of that. But that's not where we're going to stop. We'll keep building. Yeah. Um, and I did want to mention a great partnership that many people who are in your audience would recognize, the Montgomery County Chamber of Commerce Foundation, Barbara Ash and Gigi Goodwin. Godwin up there, are working with us on the Veteran Institute for Procurement. It's like an accelerator for businesses. Uh, over 80% of the folks who attend this program say that they made significant changes to their business practices that drove up their revenue, increased their number of uh, employees, and got them federal contracts. So we're working with them. This is brand new news, but um, being a federal contractor is not a startup business that you want to get into. You really got to be aware of what you're getting into and be prepared for that opportunity. So. VIP is working with me to develop brand new curriculum for the first steps, the things that you should know. As Rumsfeld used to say, there are unknown unknowns, and those are dangerous in federal procurement. So I'm very proud of the partnership there to get service-disabled vet companies in particular prepared, but we'll take all vet-owned companies as well.
1: I think that sounds like a a really promising program, and and I'm curious if... uh should it be successful, if that might be a model that you can replicate with other chambers of commerce at the local level all around the country, who I'm sure are probably partners in this this employment mm-hmm. initiative, um, as well as um, we haven't talked about veteran services organizations and how they tie into this whole equation here. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. I think we would say we can't do what we do without the veteran service organizations, um, not only at the national level, advocating on behalf of veterans, but in their communities. Um, he's really what we see as the solution to employment is a community solution. We have federal programs um, that enable that, but as we've already talked about, the workforce centers are there in the communities. But many VSOs will find veterans before they ever show up at the door of a job center. And so we work very closely with all of the major veteran service organizations that have community chapters as well to make sure that those community chapters are attuned to these issues and um, know about the resources that are there. Many of um, our staff counselors out in those communities are also members of the VSO, So it is a very reciprocal relationship. Um, and the VSOs are just an incredible source of support and advocacy in all of these programs. We couldn't do it without them.
3: I agree, Terry, completely. And we do have uh, formal committees, so we do formalize some of the input that we get so that – and people are welcome to attend. But the, our strongest partner, and I'm very grateful for their support, has been the American Legion, who does have a, an active small business task force to give us great guidance on what their members are seeing as needs and working together with us to address those. We also have on this committee, for example, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Military Officers of America Association, and uh, the Blue Star Families. So we're the, And they serve the military spouse population. So we, I feel we can always do more outreach and we do on a local level was, as you mentioned Terry but I'm valuable these are valuable relationships to us and we get a lot of great direction on where we could improve and I'm smiling because I really appreciate that we don't want to just create great ideas in Washington we know how popular that is it's really helpful to get a local view
2: absolutely
1: yeah and, and you know that's a, a big focus of, of this administration is customer service and being responsive to the needs of of those who who work with the government, are benefiting from government services or, or, or just uh, tr- trying to find ways that we can all, uh, in this case, deliver the, the mm-hmm. best that we can for, for our veterans. So it, it's really great to, to hear about the positive progress here. Uh, well, we're going to wrap up our, our conversation um, in, in the final segment after a last word from our sponsor. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Radio, fifteen hundred AM. We're entering the last segment of our show, when mm-hmm. we're talking with representatives from the Department of Labor and the Small Business Administration uh, about services uh, for for veterans in the uh, employment, job seeking, and uh, in other spaces. And uh, before we uh, wrap up our conversation and, and let folks know where they can get some some more information online, given that we do have two two <clears throat> uh, women veterans here, wanted to. Uh, give you an opportunity to talk about some of the the unique programs uh, focusing on this population, uh, as well as perhaps some of the unique challenges facing that population, and then we'll we'll mention SNOW afterwards.
2: Uh, Jason, obviously it's a topic that's really important to me. Um, I served 20 years in the Army, uh, and now I've been in the federal government for about 15, and so understanding what issues are facing women veterans is really important, Um, and there's a lot of misperception around that, so I appreciate the opportunity to clear it up. We hear a lot of times the comparison of the women veterans' unemployment rate with the male veteran unemployment rate, and that women's unemployment rates are always higher, and so there must be a problem. Um, One of the things that vets did about two years ago was actually establish a women veterans program manager inside the organization to really get after some of these numbers and stories and understand what was true and what was not true and what was anecdotal and what was databased. And so we've, we've made some pretty interesting discoveries that I think are starting to change the nature of this conversation. For example, uh, women veterans are really much more like their sister non-veterans than they are like their brother veterans. Um, their challenges are very different from their male veterans, but much more similar to women veterans. So they experience the same sort of challenges in the workplace that all women do. Challenges with childcare, challenges with equal pay, challenges with uh, family leave and health care. And so we work really closely with the Women's Bureau and DOL to help address the issues facing women in the workplace because that has a much broader impact on the employment outlook for women veterans than do some other programs. And I think it's really interesting to know that women make up almost 10% of the veteran population, but they make up only 2% of women in America. So when you are out there, um, you know, on the street or whatever, one in six men in America is a veteran. So most Americans have this association with someone in their family or their community of a male veteran. One in 64 women are a veteran. And so women veterans often get asked, well, is your, you know, is your husband in the military? Is that your brother? You know, they don't get recognized on their Mm -hmm. own as as a veteran. And so consequently, they're, They're not thought of in the communications uh, for veterans. They're not uh, part of the word of mouth network. And so we've worked really hard to, to help folks understand that over the last three years, the unemployment rate for women veterans has not been statistically different from the unemployment rate for women in America. Women veterans are doing really well when you compare them to women because they make different choices along the way. They're younger, they're more diverse, they're more likely to be in college. When they do get employed, they do really well. So our message to women veterans that's out there is it's not unique, right? You're not facing unique challenges. You're facing challenges like all women face, and we want you to come into a job center because we have data that demonstrates that the women who take advantages of of our program do better in employment. They have smaller gender wage gaps, and they get faster service. So we don't have to worry about diagnosing them. We just want them to come in and get support. And we know that it makes a difference in their outcomes.
3: And Terry, I would also say that there are some challenges for women vets. But one of the greatest ones is we have a hard time identifying them because they don't raise their hand often and say, I am a woman veteran. For whatever reason that I don't fully understand yet, they are more likely to just package away that time in life and not identify with that at all. So I want to, that's something that's personally important to me, is to make sure that women vets um, begin to value that service and that they recognize that there are those of us who are serving them, particularly with programs and resources, and make sure that they know about the opportunities that are there for them, specifically because of that identity. So I'm, that's this week, for example, it's actually next week. Let's hope the snow's gone by then. <laughs> I'll be <working laughs> talking with the uh, women as veteran entrepreneurs about policies that affect women that's mm-hmm. going into small business. And I want them to know that their businesses are growing, as I mentioned earlier, by 300%. The women who have gone through Boots to Business on military installations, they're over-indexing. There are in the high teens are the total number of uh, women who are actually serving, but we get over 20% in our classes. So they want to be in business for themselves and they're really good at it once they get started. But as Terry mentioned, they still they face some challenges that their sisters face. So women-owned businesses and women veteran owned businesses are less likely to hire people. And they're going to have lower revenue than a male-owned business. Those are things that I'm working very hard to address with my colleagues in the Office of Women's Business Ownership at SBA.
2: I think there's another point here, which is um, you know, the White House has established a White House Council on Women and Girls. Um, and so we work very closely with that to make sure that all of those initiatives are thinking about women veterans as part of it. But there's been a huge emphasis, of course, on women in STEM careers and women in non-traditional careers. No one's in a more non-traditional career than a woman veteran. Um, And yet what we see when women leave the service is that they tend to migrate back to traditional female, and I'll use my air quotes around female, careers, which are lower paying, more likely to be minimum wage and some other things. So we have a big messaging challenge to encourage these women who've succeeded in really tough, typically male-dominated career fields to continue that success and to model that success. And so the White House has taken that on, Women's Bureau has taken that on, um, and we're part of that in trying to message that out to our women veterans.
1: Uh, it's, it's great to hear that uh, you're using data and information to kind of help dispel some of the the myths in this area, as well as helping folks understand that, should they take advantage of some of the resources and benefits available to them. Uh, they've got a better chance of, of getting their leg up and, yep. and getting themselves on track. Uh, one thing we briefly wanted to touch on um, in our last few minutes here is you mentioned the, the White House initiative on, on women and girls. The, the White House has also done a, a big emphasis on uh, eliminating and combating veterans' homelessness. And, and given the, the big snowstorm that, that everyone is, is gearing up for here in, in the region, I uh, wanted to briefly talk about how, how your, your organizations might be involved in that effort.
2: Uh, sure. And I think it's especially important. Uh, the point in time count for Washington, D.C. is going to be on January 27th. So if folks who are uh, going to be interested in supporting that, it's going to be a tough night, I suspect. Uh, uh, and we're hopeful that most of folks will find shelter. But if if you're interested and your listeners are interested in participating in that, in D.C., it will be on the 27th. I think the good news is that veterans homelessness has declined significantly uh, with the president's uh, campaign focus on uh, eliminating veterans homelessness. In fact, the state of Virginia has announced that they've reached functional zero for veterans homelessness. Montgomery County just announced that they've reached functional zero for veterans homelessness. Uh, the mayors uh, across the country have signed up to eliminate uh, veterans homelessness in their areas. Where our organization, where VETS specifically helps, this with, helps with this, is we have a grant program called the Homeless Veterans Reintegration Program. It's uh, about a $40 million a year program. Uh, And it's the only federal program that focuses specifically on employment support for homeless veterans. So we partner with HUD and we partner with the VA in terms of housing for that. Um, And we are a big fan of housing first, but we absolutely believe that housing that lasts has to rely on stable employment. So on an annual basis, we serve about 17,000 veterans through that program. Thinking about um, veterans who have found themselves to be homeless, they really have some significant barriers to overcome to get back into the employment sector. But we're very proud to say that our placement rate for these folks is over 68 percent because of the intense one-on-one wraparound services with uh, that come with this program. We have 160 grantees across the country uh, working directly in communities with homeless veterans, to get them job ready and then to connect them to employers. We also work with employers who have sort of gotten accustomed to this idea that veterans make great employees and are working with the public workforce system. We now have the opportunity to introduce them to those grantees. And many companies are taking that on as a as a company mission to help homeless veterans um, return to stable employment. And it's really, it's great to watch. It's hugely impactful.
1: That's really fantastic to hear. And uh, we've really covered a lot of ground today in the show. And uh, I want to be sure that our listeners have an opportunity to... um access the information from your organizations should they be interested in, in learning more, whether it is about the point of time, the time count, um, or just any of the other uh, initiatives or programs that your offices uh, carry out. Um, so you'd have uh, about a minute or so to kind of give us a, a summary and let folks know where they can go for some more information.
2: So I want to give you two websites. The first is how you find a, a job center near you. And that's the website. It's www.servicelocator.org. All you have to do is type in your zip code and up will come all of the job centers around you where that where they're uh, located their address their phone numbers their contact information and so we really encourage people to get out there and take advantage of that resource. The other is our vets website which is dol.gov/vets. On that you can find information about all of the programs we've covered here. You can also download the the course material for the transition assistance program. So if you want to know and get access to the employment workshop workbook and those sorts of things to begin to prepare, all of those resources are there, including our resources for women veterans, for spouses, for disabled veterans, uh, and all out there in the community. So we'd really encourage people to do that.
3: And I'd give you three. so Real quick, sba.gov, and then click the tab for local assistance, and you can see some of those 1,200 locations where you can get one-on-one advice. sba.gov slash veterans, that's where you find the alphabet soup that we talked about of EBV, B2B, VIP, <laughs> and, and more, and links to each of those. And finally, the initiatives page we just launched uh, last month, sba.gov slash millspouse.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Um, I'd like to thank both of our guests, uh, Terry Gerton with Department of Labor's Veterans Employment uh, Training Service. She's the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy there, as well as Barb Carson with the Small Business Administration's Office of Veterans Business Development. She's the Associate Administrator there. Um, thank you both for uh, a wonderful conversation today. We're going to have resources on the uh, Federal News Radio website that uh, uh when the link is up for this show after uh, the program um that's all the time we have for today I wanted to remind our guests that uh fed talk is brought to you by the federal employment law firm of shaw bransford and roth uh we wish everyone a safe and uh snowy weekend uh, be sure that you keep an eye out on your vulnerable neighbors who might need some assistance uh be, be a good community member but uh most of all stay warm out there thanks for listening
2: When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared.
1: Prevent your child's next asthma attack. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your
0: doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council.